This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Hello and welcome to Around the Dial, your home for all your best sports talk. It's Tuesday, April 23rd, and I'm Andrew Bogish, once again filling in for the vacationing DA. Now two days away, we still have no idea what the Arizona Cardinals will do with the first pick in the NFL draft. I still think they take Kyler Murray, and then I think Dwayne Haskins is the next QB off the board. Haskins spent part of Monday with Joe and Evan on WFAN in New York. Dwayne, uh, it, look, there's been a lot of speculation uh, about you, and I, and I know you're a Jersey guy. I think you grew up in Maryland, but you're a Jersey guy uh, originally. And um, the speculation, of course, that you may wind up with the football Giants. What, what, what would be your thoughts? Do you have a preference to play for the Giants if you could? I don't have a preference of where, where I should go or where I want to go. I just want to be where the, at a team where the team wants me the most and where they, where they feel like I'll fit in. And, um, you know, honestly, man, I'm just excited. It's a blessing to just even be considered a draft pick. And I'm looking forward to hearing my name called on Thursday, and I hope it's sooner rather than later. But, you know, I'm very excited. Yeah, how much does that mean to you, sooner rather than later? Because ultimately, I remember Aaron Rodgers falling in the draft, and now he's the best quarterback in the NFL, and it's almost used as motivation. But how important is it that you are picked where you think you deserve to be picked, whether it's the top three, the top five, the top ten. How important is that to you? Well, the number of the pick doesn't matter. The reason why I say earlier and sooner than later is I can enjoy my night with my family. Um, definitely watching Aaron Rodgers um, not go where he wanted to be, but use it as motivation. Definitely something that I look to if that scenario were to happen. But, you know, regardless of the situation, regardless of the pick, I feel like I'm going to be a great quarterback in the NFL, and I'm just looking forward to having a great night. How much do you think, you know, playing in the Big Ten, playing in what feels like you know, huge games everyone's watching when you're playing at the Ohio State. How much do you think that helps you to prepare for the pressure that is the 17 weeks of an NFL season and the pressure that comes in the in the big league? I, I tell you, man, you lose a game at Ohio State, you don't want to walk around campus that day, the, <laughs> the next day. So uh, playing at Ohio State and every game being a big game, every team wants to give you their best shot. Um, you know, it definitely prepares you to, to play your best ball week in and week out. And, um, you know, crazy thing about college is, you lose one game and your season's over in NFL, right. you lose five or six games, and you could still be in playoff contention. So uh, the biggest thing with, with Ohio State is, is how we how every game is very important, and uh, that's how I'm going to approach every game in the NFL as if it was uh, the game that determines our, our, our way to get into the playoffs or in the Super Bowl. Dwayne Haskins, we're talking to him, of course, the Ohio State quarterback who's getting ready for Thursday's uh, NFL draft, and uh, we'll see where he winds up. You know, watching Ohio State, I'm an old man, Dwayne. I watched Ohio State. I go way, I go back, you know, to the Woody Hayes days. So I go way, way back here. And, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. And I think of Ohio State quarterbacks, I think of guys that, you know, it's basically run first. Yeah, they could throw the football a little bit, but it's it's run first type guys. You are just the opposite. I mean, you could throw through 50 touchdown passes. I think that was the number this year. You're a pocket passer, which is really kind of different 
than what we've seen at Ohio State over the years. How about that, Dwayne? Yeah, definitely different. Um, I, didn't have to, I didn't start running to the end of the season because I was, I was forced to. And um, the biggest thing is I'd rather throw the ball to, to guys that make the plays, and those are my receivers, right, running backs, right. and my tight ends. And I get more, I get more joy out of um, you know throwing a touchdown pass or, or throwing a dime on third and ten to me uh, rushing for a first down. It's fun, but right. I'm, I'm much rather throw from the pocket and uh, be able to win a game from the pocket. And um, you know, that's just how I approach the game. Uh, watching guys like like Tom Brady and, and Peyton Manning, you know, they're, they're not the most athletic guys, even though I feel like I can can maneuver when mm-hmm. I need to. Right. But um, you know, I have much more fun tearing the defensive part of my arm than my legs. Who who did you grow up? watching and wanting to be like? Because I figure you're, you're growing up and watching football in that mid-2000s where Brady and Manning are at their best, even Eli Manning, and obviously he started in 04. Right. Uh, who did you kind of model yourself after as a kid, if anybody? Yeah, of course, uh, the Mannings and Brady and, and Breeze. Um, but uh, I also loved, I also studied the game a lot. So my dad's favorite quarterback was Stallback, and I watched Troy Aikman, and Warren Moon was a guy that I admired, and mm. Air, Air Steve McNair was somebody that I had a picture on my wall. So uh, the biggest thing for me was just trying to figure out who I was as a quarterback and, and what I was going to be great at. And um, that's just me. Uh, every day I was telling my dad in the backyard, and, and we would just focus on, um, on my accuracy and ball placement, and that's what I pride myself on at a young age. That's Dwayne Haskins with Joe Beningo and Evan Roberts on WFAN. Now, personally, I share their hope that the Giants take Haskins at number six or really anywhere they possibly can in the first round. I know he's not Murray athletically, but he can throw it. He's big, and yes, the experience is limited. Just one year as a start in Ohio State, but it was a huge season for Haskins. Threw with accuracy, threw with poise, threw the ball down the field, 50 touchdown passes. I don't think he's a star right away, but I think he's a good pro after a year behind a veteran QB like Eli Manning with the Giants. Now, as of right now, the Dallas Cowboys are not involved with round one on Thursday. Their first pick is number 58. That's in round two. Good luck projecting who'll be on the board then. The guys on G-Bag Nation on 105 Through the Fan took their shot. Let's ask Jeff here, the 13 most likely players here that could go at 58. Zach Allen, defensive line, Boston College, was the first player that Je- uh, that, that KT wrote about, 6'4", 281. And he wrote that he believes, for and has believed for a long time, Allen is the most likely Cowboys second-round pick. Yeah, because I think he goes in that range. Uh, he played mostly defensive end at Boston College, but for the Cowboys, I would imagine they would see him being able to play inside too. And so the name that we've been kind of kicking around when you talk about Zach Allen is he would be ideally your next Tyrone Crawford, which is a guy that can give you snaps at end or tackle, and you think he can do it pretty well at either spot. So it would be one of those where I don't think he would ever be a 9, 10, 12 sack guy in the NFL, but it would be one of those really safe picks. Do you give feel you some like... pass rush, okay, good run yeah. defender. Floor's high. Yeah. We're not busted here. Right. Pretty if, darn if, safe. If, if I don't get top side potential of double-digit sack guy, you better lock in and promise me this dude to starter at minimum year two. I, and I think that's what you would be getting. You'd be getting just a really solid guy that could play 60% of the snaps at a couple different spots. Marinelli, I'm sure, likes Zach Allen. A lot of effort. 
A lot of football IQ down there. A lot of effort, there. yeah, a lot of football IQ. Uh, the Washington safety Taylor Rapp is in there. If you don't know by now, if you're just jumping in because you take the offseason off or whatever and come back to the fan, we've been having fun talking about these guys for months now. Um, but if you don't know, Taylor Rapp, his 40 time was so bad that he might slip, even though you turn on his film and it, he looks like an all-pro safety running around there hurtling guys and making plays. Yeah, depending who uh, you ask, his 40, they got him at either 474 or 478, which means there was a time pre-surgery Ooh. where I could have beat Taylor Rapp in a foot race. But he's, I mean, he is, to me, he's the safest safety prospect in this year's class where he covers about as well as you could cover running a 4-7. Like, you'd never want him to be your Xavier Woods, your deep guy. Like, hey, get sideline to sideline and cover everything. But when you play him down, where it's more like we're going to play zone or you're going to pick up the running back and maybe the tight end, and then what I really want you to do is when they dump it off or when they run the ball, I want to never miss a tackle. That Taylor Rapp, to me, is the most sound tackling safety prospect in the class. And he's smart. Uh, the one thing that he lacks is top-end speed, which I think it's debatable how important that is at, at what you're going to ask him to do. Because his shuttle times, phenomenal. Really? So like your three-cone and your short shuttle. Very so quick his quickness, yeah. his acceleration is really, really good. He's just not fast. That's G-Bag Nation on 105.3 The Fan in Big D. The Cowboys don't have a first-round pick this year because of the Amari Cooper trade. Now, Cooper's play has made that deal look smart so far. But now the Joneses, Stephen and Jerry, of course, need to hit on number 58 or whatever pick they end up taking in the second round. Of course, obviously moving up is always a possibility or going back as well. The good news for them is this appears to be a staggeringly deep draft. I saw one person say earlier this week that he doesn't see much difference in value and in talent and in projection between pick number 10 and pick number 40. Now, I don't know if that's true, but there certainly seems to be only a handful of elite players at the very beginning of this draft and then a lot of talent and a lot of depth the rest of Thursday through round two into round three. So having picks and a lot of them early Thursday and early Friday certainly helps any team here in this draft. Now, you might have noticed that Russell Westbrook can be short and rude to reporters before and after Oklahoma City Thunder games. Westbrook has a particular problem with one local reporter. All he'll say is next question when Barry Trammell asks him anything. Ross is wrong, flat out wrong, as Gary Parrish explained on 92.9 in Memphis. When coaches or players say, my job is to coach basketball or play basketball, I don't get paid to do any of this other stuff. It's just fundamentally not true. Um, Your job, and Charles said this last night, in fact, I'll use Charles' words, not mine. Charles said, our job, yeah, is to play basketball, but our job is also to talk to the media, to take pictures with fans, to sign autographs, to in the community, yeah. You know, the reason we all made a lot of money is because of all of those things as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to be in the community. Right. Like, that is part of our jobs. It might not be the thing that triggers the direct deposit every two weeks, but it is It is part of the job. Yeah. And Russell Westbrook needs to realize he needs to start being better um, because it is part of his job. I'd make it much simpler than that. Russell Westbrook needs to be better because it's in Russell Westbrook's interest to be better. Because now people are using it they're combining it 
with his poor play to use it as a bullet to put the gun and shoot right back at him. For instance, earlier today somebody tweeted, Russell Westbrook didn't have, 20, didn't have a field goal in the final 26 minutes last night. Seth Davis retweets it with, Barry Trammell should ask him about that. This is mm, becoming a yeah. thing that benefits uh, Russell Westbrook in no way. And actually, and it's interesting the way this works, has elevated Barry Trammell to something he otherwise wouldn't be. I mean, they were talking about him last night on TNT, the Oklahoma City columnist. Yeah. And so if I were Russell Westbrook, uh, whether it was this week or next week or next month, um, I'd probably try to do it now. But if not, I would eventually, before next season started, because I don't want to carry this over, Yeah. I'd reach out to Barry Trammell. Yeah, I would too. And I'd sit down with him. And I, I'd, I'd talk it out. If there's something you need to say to him, say it. And if there's something he needs to say to you, say that. But those two people um, seemingly ain't going anywhere. And the idea that they have a weird relationship, I was going to say it doesn't benefit either one, um, but I don't know that it actually hurts Barry Trammell. No, no. But it absolutely hurts Russell Westbrook because he now looks the way he looks. And when former players turn on you, that means you're in the wrong. And so the smartest thing Barry, uh, Russell Westbrook could do is reach out to Barry Trammell and say, um, let me tell you exactly why. I started down this path. Now let me tell you why I want to fix it. And, you know, you've been here a long time. I've yep. been here a long time. Let's try to have a better relationship going forward. And then turn this PR bad thing into a PR good thing. I would go so far, like if I were advising yeah, Russell yeah. Westbrook, I'd say, you, you go sit down with Barry Trammell, whether it's tomorrow or next week or next month. You guys hash it out. And then take a selfie with him. <laughs> Post it on Big Twitter. smile. Yeah. Then tweet it. You know, hashtag my new best friend, Barry. <laughs> and then you become an incredibly likable guy. Yeah, it turns the whole thing around. And yes, Russell Westbrook idea. would have to admit that he's been wrong. Yeah. But he has been wrong. Yeah. And um, the only thing worse um, than admitting that you've been wrong is to continue to be wrong. People like it when you can say, yeah, I've been wrong. I recognize that later than I should have, mm -hmm. but I recognize that. That's an impressive quality. Yeah. It's an attractive quality. And I know that Russell Westbrook's going to make hundreds of millions of dollars playing basketball, whether he has that attractive quality or not. But he could make his life a lot simpler if he'd let whatever it is he needs to let go, just let it go. Yeah. Take this negative, turn it into a positive, and then get back to trying to make jumpers every once in a while because that's another problem too. The very first thing Gary said, and I guess Charles Barkley said as well, since Gary was quoting Chuck, that's the most important part of this. And I think I'd feel this way even if I didn't have this job, but I definitely feel it more strongly because I have this job. Talking to reporters is annoying. It can be annoying. I get that. Some of us don't do our jobs well. We ask dumb questions. Some of us are out there not for the best interests of all involved. But it is absolutely part of the job as a coach, a player, a GM, whatever it is in professional and collegiate sports. The NBA and its players wouldn't be as popular as they are if the media wasn't there to tell their stories to their fans. That's really who players are talking to when they're talking to the media. They're talking to the fans. They're talking to the people who buy their sneakers, who buy their video games, who buy their clothes, who follow them on social media. The media takes the players and the coaches and the teams from themselves to the outside world. That's why they're important. And oh, by the way, we're all adults in all of this. We all deserve respect back and forth. The very least any player can do when another adult is doing his or her job by asking a valid question about a game they just played 
is give a nice, simple answer. You don't need to tell team secrets or be overly expressive. You just need to answer the question like an adult with respect. Let's do some baseball now. The San Diego Padres have Manny Machado. They've got a ton of young talent. Chris Gwynn and Chris Ello got an early season recap from Barry Bloom of Forbes.com on 93.7 The Fan in San Diego. Now watching Fernando Tatis Jr. at the major league level, we certainly heard so much about him. Uh, has he lived up to the hype so far? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sure there was that that much hype. I mean, it was sort of like, let's, let's wait and see about this kid. He's 20 years old. Uh, he seems like he has the tools, and he showed it a bit in spring training. He showed it on a limited basis in the minor leagues. You know, my experience with him up until, uh, you know, this year was a terrible game. He played the Tin Cups down in Fort Wayne when I was there. Uh, a minor league game that AJ had organized about two years ago uh, at the end of the season, in which he looked great. Some spring training and the Futures game last year, which he also looked great. I mean, I was all for, and I think the last time we talked, uh, it was in January when you know, I wrote the column about get get some more players, get the teeth to the major leagues, and the Padres should make a run at it this year because the, the division is kind of wide open. And uh, you know, I've been for him skipping AAA and seeing what he could do in the major leagues, and it's been fun. I mean, really, with Manny and him on the left side of the infield, that might be the best left side of the infield that you know the Padres ever had. Barry, I, I don't know uh, where you were at, but there was certainly a whole lot of hype here in San Diego as it pertained to, to Tatis Jr. Uh, last year, you and I had a discussion. You had recently, at that time, you had just recently wrote the article uh, on Tatis uh, Jr. struggling at the AA level. Uh, and as you said, you saw it a couple times. From that point uh, when you wrote the article till now, what do you th- see as the biggest difference in, in, in Tatis Jr.? Well, I mean, first of all, as you know, because you've been through it yourself, I mean, playing at AAA, AA, and translating it to the big leagues is something completely different. It's a right. different animal. So you don't know until you get to the big leagues what, what you're going to do. I mean, and you're seeing it with Urias so far in, in the two segments he's had in the major leagues where – he just came up last September before he got hurt, and he was struggling at the plate. This year it was even worse. He's back down in the minor leagues. So, so far he hasn't been able to make the transition, and he, and he can't seem to hack it. But I, what I liked about Tatis from the get-go was, you know, this tremendous speed he has. Uh, in, uh, in that minor league game, I, I remember him going from – first to home on a on a base hit and to me i didn't clock it but just <laughs> my own mind mind and eye i mean it was the fastest guy i've seen on the bases in the, in the major leagues or in, in organized balls since Deion sanders was a kid wow you know that's how fast it was and then it, 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 the other day when uh in that eighth inning leading off on saturday when he knocked the ball into the corner and he, instead of just taking the playing it safe and taking the double, they're down by three runs. He's beyond second, nobody out. 
he just accelerated going around second yeah, base did. and didn't even think about it and went into third handling. You know, those are the kind of things to me that are really exciting and 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 you the kind of things you I think even Greeny said it when I asked him about it afterwards that it's the kind of things you can't teach a player. That's right. Either you have it or you don't. And having watched his dad play, you know, he's much better than his dad. Yeah. And then there's, there's a brother coming too. And I asked, you know, uh, him about it yesterday about uh, Elijah, who the White Sox just signed. And it's like, yeah, he's pretty good too. The Padres are now 12 and 10. They're two and a half games behind the Dodgers in the NL West heading towards tonight's game. The best part of what's going on right now in San Diego is that the present matters, that there's something actually to enjoy on the big league level. You can absolutely, as a team, ask for patience from your fans for a rebuild, but you can only ask for so much patience. At some point, the present needs to become reality, not a constant look ahead two or three years down the road. And while the Padres still have a very bright future, their present, what's on the field right now, is something to sink your teeth into, whether it's Fernando Tatis Jr. or it's Manny Machado, Hosmer, Will Myers, whomever. Those young guys that they traded for years ago are now here. They've spent money to bring other guys in. It's only 22 games. It's way too early to make any kind of call, but at least the Padres now are going in the right direction. It's a big night on ice. Game 7s in Boston and San Jose. The Bruins and the Leafs, the Sharks and the Golden Knights Let's preview the bees and those leaves. Dale Arnold, Rich Keefe, WEI in Boston. I thought it was going to be a shorter series as well. I agreed with him. I, I thought, thought it was going to go five. You and thought I, six. I was wrong. And here we go. Those other guys that he was talking with, they were thinking seven, but that is good. Well, it was seven last year. That has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, we're talking about this series and this team. That has nothing to do with anything. But I really should have, I guess, in hindsight, thought that the series was going to be tougher because the Bruins, you know... They, I never thought the Bruins would play as poorly as they have at home so far. Yeah, that's a surprise. Because they were one of the, best, a, home, they were one of the best home teams in the NHL this year. That is a big surprise that both teams have won more games on the road than they have at home. Like, that's definitely a surprise. Like If that happens that's, in any series, that, that's a surprise. That's where my miscalculation was yeah. that. But, they add, like, but, the, but the Maple Leafs added John Tavares. The Bruins added Marcus Johansson and Charlie Coyle from last year. And so I know they won last year, but it was still it was, it was right. a tough series last year. And I know and I, I agree with O'Neal that hey last year doesn't really matter, but if you're just sizing up the two rosters, Toronto made the most significant addition. And so here we are, game seven and really just a, a ton at the line or on the line. And it's you know really <laughs> the Bruins season if they lose tonight, their season to me is a failure. No, I, they, no I, I think right? that's fair. If, if they a lose lot of in the first round of the Toronto Maple right, Leafs, right. I agree with you, then then their season is a failure. I I, I don't even disagree right, with that. Right. But, and and again, it was a little hard to tell exactly what Glenn was disagreeing with. Yeah, do you have the Glenn cut? So Glenn and Lou were, were talking about our, uh, our conversation yesterday because we asked the question, who is there more pressure on? Dale thinks it's the Maple Leafs. I think it's the Bruins. And then, well, I don't really know what Glenn and Lou think. Well, it's slow starts. It it may not matter. But here's, I I, I can't. I mean, it's not to me. I totally disagree with Keith. He's totally wrong about this. The number of points, and they had seven more points during the regular season than Toronto, means nothing if you're looking at these other NHL playoffs. Well, I would say this. What? Um, Two thousand. Wait, hold on. Can you stop that for a second? 
So I'm not looking at the other rounds. I'm looking at this round. It's Bruins, Maple Leafs. Who had the better record? The Bruins did. Who has home ice? The Bruins do. The expectation is for the Bruins to advance out of the first round. I don't care that the Toronto fans are crazy and they line up outside. I care about this series. Who's the better team? The Bruins. Who did 85, 90% of all the NHL experts, including my guy, Jeff O'Neill, who did they pick? They picked the Bruins. So the Bruins have a game seven in, on their home ice. It's more important to them. Or it's, it's, it, there's more pressure on them, too. You're looking at these other NHL playoffs. Well, I would say this. Um, 2004, the Yankees were the better team in a regular season. Who had more pressure on them to win? Don't you think the Yankees did? Especially See, when no, they were up 3-0? He didn't, he didn't answer because Glenn didn't let him. <laughs> so, so, Wait, 4 there was more pressure? He's, he's saying maybe the start I, of the I think he's saying that there was more pressure on the Red Sox because they hadn't won in 86 years, that, you know, but the in, cumulative okay, effect. Let me ask you this, though. In Game 7 in 2004, who was there more pressure oh, on? By that point, it was on the Yankees. Thank you. Absolutely. By it was the on time the Yankees. you got to Game 7. That's, so that's what I'm saying. So if you want to go... But for the exact same reason, I think the pressure's on... Toronto you do because, yeah because Toronto coughed up a chance to end this thing at home but not three times no but but once that, they, that, won, they, they had the chance and, they lost. and now they got to right. come back here right. to play a game seven get me to this game seven doubleheader tonight I will spare you the cliche there's nothing better than a game seven in hockey even though that is very very true but I will tell you this these playoffs have been fantastic especially if you like upsets tampa bay number one seed overall out calgary number one seed in the west out nashville number two seed in the west out three of the wild card teams of the four three of the four have reached round two and the fourth the carolina hurricanes have just pushed the washington capitals to a seventh game in dc on wednesday night finally Something that's somewhat hard to explain. I'll let them do it themselves. All you need to know, this is the great Mike Francesa on WFAN and Dave Portnoy, the founder, El Presidente, Barstool Sports. Dave in Boston, what's up, Dave? Mike, big fan, uh, big fan of the show. So last week I was listening, and, and weirdly enough, someone called. They said they wanted to do a pizza review with Barstool Sports, and I'm the guy that actually started Barstool Sports. So right. I heard you basically say pizza bores you to tears. You may not eat it, but we get celebrities all the time. You'd be a dream guest. I think we could make a pretty good team, you and I, picking a place you like and reviewing some pizza. No, thanks. I'll piss. I really, really? Have, that I, Dave, really, I have no interest in discussing pizza with you. I have to be honest with you. Do you eat I it? Mean, I, I, yeah, so what? Who cares? Do you want to discuss everything you eat on the air? Millions of people would die to know what you think is good pizza, Mike. I, I, I really, listen, I, I've been doing this, as you know, a very long time. Uh, I, I think I know what works and what doesn't work. And to me, you know, pizza is, and listen, if you guys do it and it works, God bless you. You guys have been it's successful. It's universal language of love. Everyone, you'd hey. be surprised. I'd make a wager a million people would watch us eat pizza and say it's the best thing that we've ever done together. I, I, I would hope not. I mean, really, they got to find something that's better than that, though. But uh, I, I appreciate it, though. If I ever, listen, if I, if I change my mind, you'll be the first one to know. How's that? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a relentless guy getting you to eat pizza. With That's me. it. You can call me again. We'll discuss it, okay? You get, get me, right. Send me an invitation. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll reconsider. But I, I really don't think the audience really cares what pizza I eat. And, and honestly, I, it's, it's, it's not like it's any passion of mine, pizza. I have to. I mean, now, everybody eats pizza. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know anybody who doesn't. 
I'd say more people eat pizza than eat hamburgers. Many more. Right? I bet you could find a lot of people who don't eat hamburgers, but they eat pizza. So I think pizza's. I think it's the most popular food in the country. I really understand that. And there's a zillion different pizzas. I understand that. But you know, as to which one I like and don't like, I, I, we got to have something more interesting to talk about. We have to. I don't know where to begin with that, um, but I guess I got to say something. Uh, Mike is just. He's just amazing. I mean, really is. Everything becomes something major uh, and noteworthy and monumental, even something like eating pizza as a goof for Barstool becomes a takedown on the art of eating pizza and the validity of eating pizza and whether Mike has eaten pizza before or ever will eat it again. He, It's just a remarkable listen. And we all should, no matter whom you pray to or talk to in your, your private thoughts, whoever that thing is, um, ask them, him, her, it, whatever it is, uh, for the guidance to get Mike into doing this. The odds around the office are strong that he's going to do it, but we think it's just going to kind of happen out of nowhere, and then we'll just get to sit back and enjoy it. Um, but but Mike uh, just going out amongst the people and trying pizza while Dave does his thing next to him, it just absolutely has to happen. That'll do it for this Tuesday edition of Around the Dial. My thanks to Andrew Kaplan and to you for hanging out with us. We're back tomorrow with more of your best sports talk. Until then, for DA, I'm Andrew Bogish. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 